welcome to The Odds Pod. I'm Ben Hennessy. And I'm Dave Hendrick. And we're the team behind the Scout Comics title, The Odds. A kind of handbook for what to do when the absolute worst thing you can think of happens and then tries to eat you. Each week we invite a new guest on to share their favourite stories with us, be it the end of days, the end of friends, they all died once they left Monica's apartment the last time, or just the end. We want to crash into catastrophe, arrest Armageddon and depose destruction. So, today's guest. He's a writer, artist and storyteller whose Kickstarter titles Blaze from the Pale and the Plowman have taken the indie scene by storm. His webcomic Clearwater continues to enthrall and it wouldn't be a huge leap for us to say his style is one of the most individual and unique we've seen in years. He is Mr. Aaron Losty. That was a sensational uh, uh, intro there. I enjoyed that. It's it's always better when the guest joins in with the with the cheers at the end. Yeah. The two guys, you know? I felt I felt the need to, to cheer a bit there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that kind of yeah, it's brilliant. We all sound like Wookies by the end of it. All. Um, good to have you on, man. Thanks for coming on. It's great. That was, yeah, thanks for asking me on. Yeah, great to see you. Um, you too. And you continue to be like one of the most busiest people in indie comics yeah. at the moment um in comics um in general whenever i'm checking you out on on social or whatever it, you have another idea you have another little sketch you have another yeah. thing happening it's like oh what's this you know and uh, you're constantly you're just I, I just think you are just swimming in ideas and creativity all the time man it's uh it really comes through i mean i'm i'm, I'm trying my best to keep posting you know yeah 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 no it's brilliant um so you've had like serious success with um kickstarter books with blaze beyond the pale and um plowman so do you want to talk us through that blaze beyond the pale i fucking love like it's just <laughs> it's one of the freshest things i i, don't, I think i ever read um uh, it's one of my favorites yours as well and certainly like yeah from a from a, Thanks, a dublin perspective you know it's it's incredibly genuine and hopefully that comes across in you know other places for for other readers and i think it would like it's it seems to be a really authentic voice behind it but do you, do you want to talk us through it for anybody who doesn't know about it uh yeah well it's it's obviously pretty uninitiated it's set in my hometown like which is fingless in dublin and uh it follows two like childhood friends and they're they're at that like coming of age moment where they're about the park ways for college and um uh, they plan one final night together, like of you know going on the piss, and as the night progresses, a series of fires breaks out across Fingless, and they get more and more paranoid that those fires are linked to them, and that's kind of how you know they start to question themselves, their, their friendship, and Fingless, like yeah, <laughs> I think that I think that covers it, like and things but, uh, things progress from there. Hilarity and yeah. yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. So, uh, like, how do you break down? How do you break down like a page, for a day to day? Your your kind of routine tackling this if you're drawing, writing, uh, coloring, I, you know. I generally it depends on the book. Like when I was mm-hmm. doing Blaze, um, I wrote a full script, like, um, and then I'll go back in and I'll thumbnail the whole thing in one go. And uh, and then I'll just tinker with that for a while, like, and I usually plan like spreads at a time, so I know what the face and pages are gonna look like. You know, like I'll plan the two thumbnails at once, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and then I'll just go from there. Like, I think th- there's like a drug sequence in like the middle of the book. I yeah. think I spent like two weeks just planning that, like, 
Um, because I kind of had to plan the whole thing at once, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's just, like that's that was how I did that book, which I think is pretty conventional. But now, so it depends if with Clearwater, like I'll write and thumbnail at the same time. Like I won't do the two separately. Um. And you know, I'm not really writing proper scripts for that because it's it's a web comic and I'm doing every facet of it as well. And I, I did every almost every facet of Blaze as well, but yeah. I, I don't know at the time I felt like because it, it was such a long project, I felt I needed to write a long a full script. Like yeah, yeah. Now it's uh, I just I loved it and and there's a gorgeous fluid psychedelia to your stuff. Like it's just it kind of feels like the figures could it at any second dissolve into a billion butterflies or something there's something about there's something about your stuff that's just you know it's it's very tangible and then it's also quite organic quite ethereal as well yeah there's there's Mm. kind of a there's a lightness to it which which i think is great you know and i like i would Mm. encourage anyone listening if you're not familiar with this stuff get get familiar with this stuff because it's you're going to see it um and you're going to see it big time like it like he is gonna gonna um breakthrough if 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 not already um but yeah so plowman then that came after yeah. blaze so give us the skinny on plowman so you, this one was written drawn by you colored by jp jordan he of big bang comics fame no actually me no. and jp co-wrote it, it, it co-wrote was sorry. Project. yeah um as it came about, it was about five years ago on, on Twitter, he had he put up a tweet saying that he had an idea for like an Irish vigilante story, like Batman set in in the west of Ireland. And uh, he couldn't come up with a name. And I suggested Plowman at the time. And uh, we actually tried to find the tweet to like promo the thing, but I'd actually oh, deleted okay. it because I think at the time I said, I'll delete it in case someone fleeces the name or something. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but, which was a shame because when we went back to promote it, yeah, I couldn't find that tweet, like the inception point of the book. Like. And then during the pandemic, we got talking and he was like, he was like, uh, he wanted to write more stuff. Like, and I said, fuck it, let's just, let's call Roy Plowman um, just to kind of speed up the process a bit and obviously to have a bit of laugh. And I'll, I'll draw it and you can, you can call her. Like. And uh, that was it. Like, I mean, like the, I mean, it's not it's not really a Irish vigilante story in a way. Like it has those sort of puppy notes, like. But uh, it, it veered pretty west as soon as we started coloring and sending ideas back and forth. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm delighted with Plowman. Like, yeah. it, it it went. You know, we've sold out. Essentially, sold out the physical print like within a, a month or two of it. Amazing. Awesome. So amazing. Man. Was it was it interesting kind of co-writing something with someone? Yeah, it was great. Like I always do, I do like writing different forms, like in the like in terms of different media, like writing for comics and writing for, you know, stage or something. Or writing a screenplay, like it's it's a nice way to flex. And I hadn't co-written with someone before, and yeah, it was great banter. Like I definitely do it again. Yeah. Um, it it just mixes it up, like and yeah. how you approach it is, and then you know because you're building towards the same thing, like so. It's it's great to like keep escalating an idea until it starts to fall apart, and you're like, okay, we'll run it back and see where it where it starts to fall apart, and we build on top of that. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I I don't know if we're gonna do more Plowman, but um, you know, I'd look forward to to writing it again if we did. Yeah, I think it'd be very well received. Um, so 
yeah, the co-writing thing, like I in the past, I found it to be like I I would consider Ben a co-writer of the the stuff that we're doing because like Ben will not, Ben will probably agree. Um, but we. Oh, yeah, bounce we were, ideas we were together on that, but you did the writing. We, I was yeah. co-creator, right? Yeah, yeah. But we certainly bounce ideas off each other. And one of the things that I do is mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk through the plot and the process and the the you know the the characters, and I kind of have to do that to first of all get it out of me. Secondly, have a sounding board with somebody else, and it's nearly as I'm talking through it, I might come up with an idea or it might kind of second guess myself on what I'm saying and then that goes that turns into another plot point and you know so that kind of deliberation with your with your co-creator I think is really important because you you get mm. better as you do it you know and I don't think I've ever written a comic book where I've just sat down with a script start to finish and not had a conversation with somebody about it and gotten something mm-hmm. out of that conversation. I think that that collaboration is great, you know. Um, and it went the very same way for me as well, just in terms of having talked to you about the characters, knowing what they were supposed to be about, how how they'd look, you know, um, how they'd act. Um, I, I had all that kind of figured out before I went in to draw them, which was half the battle, you know, so it was really, really beneficial for me as well. Well, they do say knowing is half the battle. <laughs> <laughs> You know, as any G.I. Joe fan will tell you. Um, okay, so, and then Clearwater. So that's coming back. Yeah, it's coming properly. back soon enough. Yeah. Like next few months, like... Um, so give us the skinny on that. What's the, what's the elevator on Clearwater? Clearwater, it, I mean, it's pretty... It's pretty ethereal. It's it's pitch anyway, but it's it follows the life of John Doyle, who's known as Mousy, like, and... Uh, it starts when he's, like, age 11, and it's going to follow him until he's, like, 30-odd, like... Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just kind of I'm just going through the motions with it. Like I have some big ten pole moments, like uh, that I want to put them through and mm-hmm. to see. Um, but other than that, I kind of just plan it as I go. Like I know, like I'm kind of calling them seasons now because I took a break. So this second season, like I had a pretty clear objective of what I wanted to to hit. Like, um, and because the first the first uh, series is kind of. They're not not every not every issue was like super linked or like the the story wasn't super linear. But whereas the second season kind of will be, and I'll still take moments to tell like little offshoot kind of stories. Like if there's a, a conversational piece or something, I want to just throw in there and kind of like you know colloquialisms of of fingless as as a as a comic like. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it just follows, it follows John through his life and he's like, obviously, for those who don't know, like, Fingless is like an underprivileged, like, you know, uh, working class area, like, so it, he, he's kind of trapped in the perpetual motion of, of crime and poverty and it's kind of, like, he, he hasn't, we haven't even touched on that in the comic yet, but like, he will be swept up in that sort of lifestyle, you know, and uh just yeah, I don't know. I think it's a pretty honest comic. Like it's a pretty, it's rough around the edges, but uh, yeah, I really enjoy making it. Like, and it's I think because uh, the nature of how I make it is like really enjoyable. Like I don't overthink. I I genuinely try and make it as fast as I can, even when I have time. Yeah, like, I try and just smash it out. Like, and I think that adds to it as well. So it's a bit, oh, of a, so a bit that's of a... cool. You always kind of remember those bits where Jack Kirby was always saying, "Don't second guess yourself. Just go with that instinct. That's that's the one you go for first, and that's the one that's right." You know? Yeah. And I would say there's there is a bit of Kirby in you as well. 
you know? Oh yeah, I'm definitely look yeah. at a lot of Kirby like. Yeah, yeah, and your fi- like your figures, your hands, your, you know, you can see mm-hmm. you can see the the influence there. And mm-hmm. um yeah, so Clearwater, kind of kind of punk comics, stream of consciousness, slice of life, very real, very yeah. fast from your perspective, yeah. from the creative perspective, yeah. And just just done, dusted on to the next one. Yeah, really, surely, like, and I mean, I ha- I know where he wants to end. Like the ending is kind of it's kind of funny. Like I was, had like uh, kind of an objective of where I wanted them to go and kind of what I wanted his final words to be in the story. But that's yeah. changed as it's gone on, which is typical of writing something. But just like it's changed my opinions of like Finglas and stuff as I've gone along. Like that's I don't think I've had such like uh, epiphanies working on something before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I've loved just, I've been printing up like hand printed zines and stuff and selling them yeah. cons and that's been great banter as well. It's not something I, I, I'd done before, like, and it, it's quite nice and people seem to respond to it quite well when it's very obvious that you've printed this yourself. So you've had um, quite the quite the marketing campaign for Clearwater and I don't know if it was if it was by design, <laughs> but I from the moment it launched, you've been updating how many people have viewed it that day or how many people have read it um yeah. off the off yeah. the website, you know? Yeah, and I, I really wanted to be transparent with that yeah, because yeah. I didn't know what to expect. I was like, I'm gonna get like twenty people a week yeah. or whatever. Um I haven't looked at the figures since we I finished the season, but I, I think there was like twelve hundred unique viewers or something yeah. when I'd finished the season like um, and I could see that people were coming back and like it's hosted on a square space. So I'm able to see how people spend on the page as well, like average time. So people are actually reading it as well. Like yeah. the average, the average, the average time was like two and a half minutes, yeah, that's cool. which is like en- enough time to, to read the whole thing. Um, so that was great. Like I don't, I didn't really know what to expect. Like, and I had done like kind of a, a guerrilla marketing campaign for it as well around town like um, and I seem to get a few spikes from that so like there's still plenty of uh, there's still plenty of like uh, um, wealth to doing like in person like actual marketing as well as opposed to just online where I get most of my traffic from for like kickstars and stuff as well yeah 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 now that, I thought it was brilliant because um, like a lot, of, a lot of the time like in you know in the kind of indie scene the cons and stuff um and like we've all done it and it's like how many did you sell today how many did you sell today you know this kind of shit and and you don't always get the the honest figure you know it's like oh i totally sold out and there's yeah, six boxes I, behind the guy you know and that kind of I, stuff. L- I love talking about all that to be honest like it doesn't it doesn't bother me i remember yeah. uh actually i had it it was the first top up like table that actually a couple, about five years ago and I saw one book over the whole weekend and yeah. everyone asked me like, how did your weekend go and I said I saw one book and because and, they might have fluted on to me about how like because I might have asked it well then yeah, yeah. you know it's like I saw one book like yeah. what do you want me to say like I'm sure about that like because yeah. I'm only lying to myself as well like so yeah. Um, but yeah no I've always tried to be transparent with that I'd happily go through numbers and facts and figures on, on Kickstarter I had but I have plans to do a write up on Plowman like yeah. just cause like so many people are trying to crowdfund it now and like I'm certainly not a pioneer of it either like but I, I think it's good to talk about the, the numbers and like the uh, the traction rate like compared to your like following and like how much money you make and like the percentage of people I actually like who who followed me who didn't uh or who did back it, you know, and the people who didn't follow me who backed it and stuff like that, and like how much reach you actually have. Yeah. Um. When you don't, you might you might necessarily realize it. Like. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now that uh, all that stuff is like it's fascinating, and I think if you can shed light on it for people who are both inside and outside the the, the business, you know, I think um, is useful because there's no there's no set guidelines around this stuff, and everyone's just feeling around in the dark, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Like anybody who tells you trying to hide something either. It's it's. Yeah. Anybody who tells you that you know, they know what they're doing is, is lying. You know, I mean, if they, if they, if they half know what they're doing, then I think they're, they're telling you the truth, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen that, uh, I'm part of a new kind of initiative called the Cartoonist Collective, like, and Sloan Leong kind of founded it. Oh yeah. And, Tell us about uh, that. committee member on it. And it, uh, well, it was started as a Discord, like, before Christmas. Like, I think Sloan had started the, the Discord uh, maybe two years ago. Yeah. And before Christmas, she'd put out a call for any cartoonists, you know, who wants to connect or whatever. So I obviously got involved. And then just, before, I think it was just because there was a massive influx of people joined the Discord. She had, like, uh, you know, uh, she had broached the idea of, like, starting a collective, like, that where we could all help each other. And then just before Christmas, she, like, she'd obviously thought about it, or they'd obviously thought about it, and they put down, like, tangible uh, ideas, like, maybe we should, like, do, like, have a cooperative that uh, cross-pollinates and cross-markets. Uh, like, it's basically a massive marketing um, network. Cool. So we'd have, like, um, you know, we'd have, a, we'd have a committee of people that would, uh, we'd have a look at books and then we'd have like an actual organized campaign for, but then we'd all be able to lift each other up. Like it's in, I mean, it's been uh, announced, but they're still, uh, we're still working everything out. Like, and then we put together a committee, which I was selected to be on. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to what it becomes. It feels like we're on the ground floor of a revolution and we're just pushing a snowball along. Like, so um, I'm in, I'm really interested. I think it's great. Like, I think when we see like the advent of like Zainab's, uh, short box and like um spy orange spike or spike trotman's like uh, iron circus is that, is that the name of print yeah um, and obviously they're like the the master of crowdfunding right now so uh yeah i think that there's a lot of, like i mean the whole idea was to disrupt kind of uh uh typical publishing means where because short box going to prove that people can make money just selling digital comics let alone physical comics so yeah um, but I, on a really grassroots indie level, like, so yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to see where we can take it. Like, awesome, yeah. No, we'll be keeping a close eye on that. Yeah, I hadn't actually I missed that. That sounds brilliant. Yeah, we kind of soft launched it on Twitter because we're obviously Twitter is like imploding around us at the moment. So we, <laughs> we want to kind of actually launch the website while all our reach is still worth something. Like while all our followings are still, you know. There, yeah. Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're still saying stuff like so, um, haven't been radicalized yeah. yet, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that was we kind of we just it was just a quick launch. We got uh, the website or nothing is up yet, like so. Okay, well, we, we'll, we'll keep going, yeah. yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Um, okay, so everybody who comes on to the odds pod is asked one big question, and now it's time to ask you, Mr. Aaron Losty, what's your favorite apocalypse? It was a tough one because I'd, I'd already listened to some episodes. There were some classics in there, but uh, yeah, I, I'm very much fascinated with the idea of uh, a cataclysmic meteor strike oh, uh, nice. wiping us all out, or at least uh, dwindling us all down to yeah. uh, 
to a, an apocalyptic level like yeah awesome okay so so where, classic yeah where does this come from where, where where's the fascination with meteors i think if you, i think if you're a kid like you kind of all like if, if you're interested in dinosaurs as a kid you kind of all that's where the seed is planted because like mm-hmm. that's like the, the, the next thing that you learn about dinosaurs is that where are they well they got wiped out by a big rock like um and i think that's where it started and then and then i i was I was petrified, but also fascinated all yeah. apocalyptic media. Like I was like, Oh fuck, we're going to get wiped out by a plague or a nuclear war. Sellafield's going to blow up yeah. or, you know, or a big, a big rock is going to come and, and wipe us out. Like, and I remember being petrified of films like Dante. Is that the name? But Dante with like Pierce Brosnan, Dante's like a, a volcano flick. Yeah. Dante's, Dante's peak. Peace. That's it. Yeah. God. Um and and like Deep Impact and Armageddon, these films like frightened the bollocks out of me. Like I was like, Jesus, we're all gonna go wiped out. Like um and then obviously there's plenty of other uh, apocalyptic films and like stuff like that that just scared the fuck out of me. And I think that's where it all began. Like yeah. And uh yeah. I, I'm with you on a lot of that because uh, I, I used to have a big dinosaur fan from mm. most of my childhood. Um, and uh, that never really left me. Mm. And then when I kind of find out more about like how the meteor hit or how the asteroid hit and, and how much damage it did and where it hit and like what I didn't realize up on, I don't know how many years ago now it was, but I didn't know that the, the Yucatan Peninsula, what's the name of the place where that crater was hit? Was it Chickaloob or something? I'm trying to put this out of the air now. I can't really remember, but I, I think it's Chickaloob or something. Chickaloob. Uh, that, that's that. I, so I think it could be Chickaloob. I'm not sure it's one or the other. Um, Chickaloob or Chickaloob. <laughs> and it's 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 underneath the Yucatan Peninsula mm. anyway. And um, that's where the crater is. But they found out that like if the asteroid had hit anywhere else, it wouldn't have had the same reaction. It, the, the plates there are particularly volatile mm. to volcanic eruptions and movements. So it was kind of like throwing a stick of dynamite into a room full of atom bombs. <laughs> And mm. that's why it was particularly yeah, bad. Yeah. But then hearing things like fires of rain and all the all the fires the of rain flung up into the air came back down. Rain of yeah, fire, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't even realize I said it wrong. There. Oh no! Uh, the yeah, fires well, turned into rain. That's okay. Though. <laughs> <laughs> when the rain well, turns into fire, on the rain, the rain became really acidic. Yeah. And that killed off everything as well. There was all these. <sighs> Massive chain reactions along some kind of like natural, uh, natural status quo. That so, just are you, off are, so are you saying, right, if it had like, say, if it had landed in, you know, Fingless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, it wouldn't have killed Pretty off the dinosaurs. It wouldn't have had the same <laughs> impact. It wouldn't have, you know, is that, is that no, what you're thinking? No, there's only a few places in the world that an asteroid can hit mm. uh, to have that kind of effect. And it, and the it still wouldn't have been great. It wouldn't have been as big, you know. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. have been. It wouldn't have been a walk park. It wouldn't have been great for Ireland, yeah. you know. No fingless. Nothing to write about. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, there's some weird fact, isn't it? It's like anything over like I think 25 kgs dies. That's it, you know. Anything that can kind of hide or borrow a small. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so my dog something, is something, safe. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She's about eight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, like, they can, plenty of human bones to chew down on afterwards. Anyway. Well, they, I think they can look at like the cross section of like uh, sediment and like the earth was just on fire for a couple of hundred years. Like you know, yeah. like there was it, the shit was just on fire constantly. Yeah. Like um, after after the one that got the the dinosaurs hit. Like. And you know, thank the stars above that it was because you know we wouldn't get fossil fuels. 
Well, there was. So, you know. We wouldn't be around, you know. Uh, it, it took that big natural disaster for humans to somewhere in the mix become a thing. Yeah, you know? there's, a, there's a circular <laughs> irony in that, I think. You know, it's like, yeah, they created fossil fuels and now they're destroying the planet. So, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so, yeah. yeah. It comes back around. So, so like, let's look at that, though, in, in, in pop culture. Like, meteor strikes, astro strikes, um, like they they're they're everywhere as you say you know armageddon um uh like even even this this stuff like body snatchers um Mm -hmm. that starts on kind of this this kind of intergalactic meteor strike um uh that nobody really knows is because it's tiny but you know it ends with uh um the the world being consumed by by these pod people um the recently now in the last what in the last two weeks was it two weeks we had a we had a green comet fly um by and it was like the first for the first time in like fifty thousand years i think the last time it went mm-hmm. by was during the stone age um and that that kind of captured my imagination and we were doing a podcast which will be out before this one but we were doing a podcast on the day of the triffids and in the, the start of that book there's a there's what they assume to be the cause of the Triffids kind of uh, um, in, invasion, and uh, and there's green lights seen in the sky, and they yeah. they assume that they're they're a comet as well. And we were having this conversation on the night that comet was in the sky, and it was kind of <laughs> I don't know if I want to look at it, you know, because <laughs> like, ah, everyone in the book who looks at it goes blind, and I was like, eh, maybe we shouldn't, yeah, maybe yeah, I'll keep that to myself, you know. But yeah, but it is like it's it's a it's a pretty that kind of flaming death from above thing. It it, it it's it's a pretty mm-hmm. big thing in in pop culture in in and in you know it goes way back and you know you see it in religion, older religions and everything as well and and uh, and, and and kind of historical archives that everybody's terrified of this this thing from the sky and like when you when you get under the skin of it you know it's more that everyone's terrified of just the randomness of the universe yeah yeah that no one's really secure yeah i think that's like a definitely a big like a big element of it like just the fact that it can just pop up like and they say like oh the you know like a two mile fucking asteroid passed by earth like a hundred thousand miles away or whatever but we didn't know it was here until 20 minutes before it passed sort of thing and it's like quite scary yeah i don't but, believe uh, that though they always tell us that and i don't want to sound like i'm wearing my tinfoil yeah. hat right but they always <laughs> tell us that after the fact they never say oh by the way there's a fucking you know there's yeah, an asteroid no, the size of the titanic that's just you know a hundred thousand miles away you know they never mm. tell us it's always oh it just went over you're grand you know What's what's that one that comes over every five years? There's one that's pretty common, Af- Afrids or Afros or something like, and it's it's massive. It's really big, and it's supposed to get its closest to us in about sixty years time or something. But this is the one they think cool, like it's actually so big it could have a gravitational, it could get caught in our gravitational pull, that, that kind of thing. Nice. Something to look forward to. I can't to. remember the name of it. Can you guys remember the name? This is the one that they gave like a. a in a, in a Mayan name it's like named after oh it could like a, it could yeah yeah and it came from behind the sun or something and yes that's exactly it's, it. yeah, it's yeah. trajectory was like non-ballistic like it, as if it was being piloted but it's just a giant rock like, yeah yeah and it's yeah, just yeah. Um, been flung along with different because it's so big it's getting caught in different mm. sorts of gravity so it looks like it's going along a, a weird trajectory mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's I think it, what that flew past us a few years ago and is due to come back in another I don't know 
how many years, but in 60 years time, it's supposed to be the closest it'll be to us, you know? Oh, brilliant. Cool. You'll be around yeah, for that one, Aaron. I won't be. Um, <laughs> and then we've got the, you know, the Perseids, um, which yeah. are around every summer. Now, this mm. wasn't a thing when I was a kid, right? Now, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm that old that I, that I predate a meteor shower, like a regular meteor shower. But, like, it wasn't a thing. And it would have been a thing because we didn't have the internet. We had to look to the sky for entertainment. And, um, yeah, look, it just wasn't on our on on our radar and then like, in the last kind of i don't know few years it's like oh you're going out to watch the Perseids, you know every summer it's like they're there um i to this day i've never seen one um <laughs> people people say they're happening but um i i don't know have you been Aaron? no I, I don't think i have i, I didn't know they were that common i knew they were common yeah. enough but in there they're almost every year that's, yeah that's kind of nuts yeah i should Did look you- up the next time a shooting star is probably the closest thing I've seen. I've seen one yeah, once. Same. That's it. Shooting stars once. And that's probably because I live with far too much light pollution. Um, I, should probably, <laughs> I should probably get out into the countryside more. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, and to be honest with you, it wasn't... It preceded what was not a good time. So maybe maybe they are the harbingers of doom that, that people say they are, you know? Yeah. yeah We're talking yeah. about the, the kind of randomness of it. Like, there's also that theory that uh you know you could see a meteor coming for years like it would look like a, it would look like a star in the sky for years as it approached like and that, that's one of the theories i think behind the subterranean cities in turkey like that they could see a light getting brighter and brighter until it became like a second sun and oh, that's wow. where they built all the underground the underground cities yeah yeah obviously you couldn't build that sort of stuff overnight and then the meteor just happened to pass by or I mean, there's loads of like nuclear glass in uh, in Turkey as well, like um, from some sort of meteor strike, whether it was the one they were hiding from, or if that's even you know even what they were doing, like maybe they were just making nice, cool uh, underground cities. But that's fascinating as well, like that you you just slowly see doom getting closer and closer, like yeah, uh, um, man, yeah, you could understand it as well, you know, like you know, and not to say that we're all that better, or just because we've you know, we're more scientifically advanced or whatever, but there's probably things we're looking at in the sky every night going, oh, isn't it beautiful? And one day it will kill us all. Um, <laughs> and we just haven't caught on to what it is, you know? <laughs> Our warning systems tell us we have six months as opposed to maybe the six weeks or whatever those guys had or the years. Mm. I'll tell you, there is no warning system. And be in dread a bit longer. Yeah. I don't believe there's a warning system at all. They always, as I said, they always tell us after the fact, phew, we missed that one. You know, it's like, come <laughs> on. You know? And what about that thing that passed through the, the solar system a while ago? Do you remember that thing? That weirdly cigar shaped thing and people uh, were like, that's, that's the Mayan one I was talking about. Ah, that's, okay. saying, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, that's the one they were all worried about, and everyone was uh, patting Grant Morrison on the back for because oh, he had right. written a comic. With a, he had written a comic, like a, almost a prophetic comic, with a very similar plot. Like, um, what, I can't remember what comic that was. I had the fish people in it. The uh, fish people. Um, it was pretty recent, and it wasn't called and it wasn't called Annihilation, was it? I can't think of it. I don't think uh, it that's gonna annoy me. Um, Keep talking. Pretty, I'm gonna find it. Yeah, yeah, go find it. Uh, Who was drawing it? Uh, oh, maybe Bertram, me and Bertram, maybe. God, I, uh, that's got past me. Is it recent enough? or is it? Yeah, really like when I say, re- oh, maybe like last 10 years recently. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was an image book and it was about... Was it uh, Annihilator? Uh, maybe. I can't remember. 
Uh, here, I'll have a quick look. Hold on. Um, Fraser uh, Irving. Yeah. Huh? Fraser Irving. Him and Fraser. Mate, no, it's not that one. No, no, and I ha- no, it's not that one. It was before that, just before that, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 the plot of that was like very similar to this like giant, uh, almost monolithic uh, meteor asteroid coming towards Earth, and uh, uh, had like notes of like chaos magic, obviously, and all those sorts of themes he hits on. Um, yeah, you don't want that one crash landing here. That's, no, that's a no, big no. one. Oh. Yeah, I think- I have it. I have it on the shelf there. It's uh, nameless. Is it that one? Nameless. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Nameless. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that was class. Yeah. I actually don't think I ever finished. It. I think it wasn't that that long. It was only four issues long. Yeah. I got. Um, I got yeah. it as like a hardcover thing. Um, mm. I gotta check that out. That's yeah. completely got past me. Chris Burnham. Even... Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think when I read it at the time, it just went completely over mm. my head, and it was something I came back to. Like, but uh, yeah, it was kind of a. Uh, yeah, it was kind of that kind of uh, portents of the apocalypse slash alien story, as in yes. Alien the movie, you know, had that kind of vibe to it, didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was very much about, yeah, um, as always, reality being bent and and uh, and reformed um, by something coming from space. Yeah. It was very Grant Morrison. <laughs> was, and fish people. And fish people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the fish people live in the asteroid or something. It was super. No, no, stuff. it's like he, uh, the main character goes into like an altered uh, reality. I think. Oh, the, cool. fish, the fish people are like hunting down. Yeah, that's what I remember. How <laughs> sounds deadly. Time. Maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, Dave can. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'll grab it. Uh, but like, check it out. You love it. It's great. There's fish cool. people, and um, yeah, and if there's not, don't sue us. Um, but it's <laughs> it's uh, it's an absolutely it's a very Grant Morrison comic, which is a good thing. Mm. Which is yeah, absolutely. Which is always a good thing. So yeah, so death from above, man. It's uh, it's terrifying, and uh, nobody can say it's not coming for them. Uh, you know, it, it it affects everybody equally. You know, be they be they president or or pauper, um, as uh, as we've seen in 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 many um, many movies and that. You know, um, and there's there is no way no way out unless you're in a Michael Bay movie. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I do think if, if if we if it is discovered, we know it's coming. Uh, there'll be a, a mass effort to to redirect it because uh, the rich people don't want all their their workforce getting injured. You know, <laughs> you know, so they they want to make sure that their workforce doesn't get wiped out. I mean, it's easy for them to go under their bunkers, but I don't think it'd be you know, in a conspiratorial sense, but without, uh, without labor, there's no wealth. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we saw, I mean, recently with COVID and how quickly we got vaccines, you know, like effective vaccines, you know, and that was purely because we can't have the workforce take any time off. You yeah, know? man. Yeah. Did you, did you catch, <laughs> did you catch that article going around at the weekend? Uh, it no. was a, an article from Forbes magazine, which already is a magazine for like millionaire business people. Yeah. And, uh, the article, espoused the benefits of a commute. Oh, yeah. yeah. And why, why a commute is important for a worker because, you know, they get to detach from their workspace and it's a period of time between oh the workspace and home when they can just decompress. I don't know about you, but I've never, ever mm. decompressed when I'm stuck in traffic on Pier Street. Like, I, it's just, it's never happened. You know, I, I you know, I just, it's ridiculous. The, this idea, 
that we have to be in an office that a billionaire who may have commissioned an article in Forbes owns, you know? Yeah, I don't think That's... it's possible to to decompress. I don't think I've ever relaxed my sphincter on a bus out of England. Dangerous. Let alone, let alone decompress and take in the, the liminal space that is that is the bus. You know? Time to dream on the bus, you know? Yeah. That's ridiculous. I can't believe they actually put that out there. That's, yeah. Oh, man. That's I, do, so un- I do think they described uh, the commute like as a liminal space, like a rare liminal space yeah. for, for the modern day person, yeah. which I thought was pretty daft. Yeah, insane. When you've got somebody's sweaty elbow mm. in your face on the loose or something, you know, it's just like, forget about it, man. That's yeah. a different kind of apocalypse, isn't it? Just been stuck yeah, on yeah, it. Absolutely. That's, that's the one we're in now, Ben. That's the apocalypse we're living in. But it doesn't seem to come to an end, Aaron. It's just going on forever. No. So, just, Aaron, um, what's happening? What plans for the future? Well, what's next for you that you can talk uh, about? Well, Clearwater's coming back. Yep. Clearwater's coming back pretty soon. Um, and that'll be online. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm. I mean, yeah, I probably might be t- speaking too soon, but I'm tempted with doing a, a printed collection of it, but I do quite enjoy oh, really? that. It's just free online. Yep. Um, I might wait a while before and I do like Where can people find that? Uh, clearwatercomic.com will direct you to the page cool. on my website, which is just aaronlossy.com. But Clearwater Comic, if you search Clearwater Comic or Clearwater Comic Fingless, it'll come up. Um, and I'm Aaron Losty on all social media platforms, A-A-R-O-N-L-O-S-T-Y. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the only Aaron Losty on most social media. So probably the only Aaron Losty on the planet, I would say. There's <laughs> not a lot of us now. Oh, you're you're a unique individual. Um, okay, so I think that wraps it up, guys. Nice one. That was great. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed that. Yeah, I've got to go find out if I was saying uh, Chickaloo right now in a minute. i got to find yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're making a fool yourself at the start of the podcast. It wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. I just heard chicken lube. I was like, what the hell is chicken lube? And I don't I don't want to talk about that, you know? God, I hope I got it right. Chicken lube, I think it is. There's an X in it, isn't there? Yeah, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. there is. Yeah, that's why yeah. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is that? Forgive us Mexican fans. Um, we are but morons. Uh, apart from Aaron, who's very intelligent indeed. So listen, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us on the Odds Pod. It's been a blast. Yeah, thanks thanks a lot, it was a pleasure. I hope this podcast keeps rocking the way it has. You guys are really good at this uh, whole whole hosting and steer, steering the podcast ship along, you know. So ah, cheers, man. We're we're trying our best. We're we're, we're faking it till we make it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cheers, that, that's, that's pretty that's much it from us. Thanks for joining us on the Odds Pod. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Look out for the odds coming soon from Scout Comics. And please tell us what your favorite apocalypse is. You can find me on Twitter at Benessy. That's B-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y. And me on at Dave Hendrick. Big thanks to our producer, Adrian Carty. And we'll see you at the end of the world.